Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Courtney. And how are you? So here's the thing. It's been a rough day. So I'm going to talk about all the things that make me happy and bring some positivity into this, this day of ours. Um, I, so you, I've talked about before in the past that I work with a nonprofit called Unseen Artists and we are struggling because there's only a few of us on the board, which is, it's a lot of work to run a nonprofit and I yes. am not even doing the majority of the work. Um, I'm technically just the secretary in there for meetings, like, right. Still a lot of work. Um, and we're finally doing some things. We started booking some events and like talking with playwrights and helping other people get paid to like work on their plays and do workshops and stuff. We have a, we had a call yesterday with a playwright we've been wanting to talk to for ages. Um, like they had submitted their, their work to us and we read through it and like, you know, took notes or whatever. And we finally had a meeting um yesterday and it just went so well and we've already got it we're booking a workshop for january and like then we're gonna do some i think fundraisers in the spring and it's just it's a lot of work but it's like it's worth it because then in the end like i know we're gonna be able to like because that was like one of the first things they asked of course they were like they're like how much is this gonna cost me like you know like i know i'm i'm still like they're still in grad school they're still working on other stuff and we're like that's the whole point is like we want like creative people to stop having to just like pay it up pay out of pocket just because they're still creating it like we want people to like yeah be able to like earn on it so awesome yeah so i'm very excited about that and um to to tie everything back into our podcast as i am so thrilled to do um there's a new movie coming out in 2023 i at work today i just worked on the film production schedule and uh because we do like cold pitches and stuff to films. So it's yeah. going to the new films. And these it's been formally announced, so I'm not like ruining anything. It's on IMDb and everything. Um there's a new film called Oh my gosh, what's it called? Mm. Oh my gosh. Boy something world. Regardless, you'll be able to find it if you look it up. But the two main cast members have been brought back together from a time ago known as 2013 and not the two you're thinking but close the two main cast members in this movie are bill skarsgård and famke jansen and i am so stoked to see more about it it's like Boy Kills World, I think. It's something, it's like a really dumb title. Like, it's the stupidest title I've ever heard for a movie. But it sounds like it's going to actually be a really good movie. And it's got a really good cast, really good writers, directors. Like, it's stacked. Weirdly, it's not on his IMDb yet. Oh, well, it is on the World Wide Web if you Google it. Because all of the information I looked up today was public information. No, I totally believe you. I just, it, I was like, I have IMDb already open, so I pulled up his Bill Skarsgård's, oh. thinking it would be the easiest way to get there, and um, it was not. No, he has. I mean, he just came out with his Nosferatu coming out first, so I'm sure that Nosferatu wasn't on his IMDb either. Is it out yet? 
No. I bet he's waiting till they're out to like put them on there. Maybe. I just want to kind of find the title of the movie. I think it's called Boy Kills World. It's I'm telling you, it's something really like. Oh, it is Boy Kills World. You're absolutely right. It's like a wild title. Interesting. Um, yeah, it doesn't even have a release date or anything, but it's like it's next year's release date. But it's Sam Raimi, who uh, is a producer who worked on um, Spider Man. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, there was something else that he worked on. Oh, he worked on the new, um, he also did the new, um, Doctor Strange. Yes. Sorry, and uh, I just said, whenever I hear Sam Raimi, I just immediately go Spider Man trilogy. Done. Yes, yes, of course. And, uh, and Roy Lee, who worked on Don't Worry, Darling. And, um, and there's other people. Those were just like kind of the top two mentioned. So I think it's going to be a very, uh, interesting show so anyways i just wanted to let you know because i figured you hadn't heard about it since you hadn't told me yeah i had not yeah and uh how are you though aside from now your clear excitement over our two um well you know i didn't have the most um eventful week and we do have to fill three episodes of the podcast Mm -hmm. today so i'm gonna keep it simple and tell you the funniest story that I've ever told. And it gets funnier every time I tell it. And it'll be harder to do it here because I don't have the visuals. But I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. And and mostly I'm going to do it because then when we do have a Doug on our podcast eventually, it will, it will be... Hashtag Doug secrets. <laughs> so on Thursday... There was a Thursday night football game, and there were going to be five of us watching the game. And so we were ordering from this pizza place, and Doug was like, I feel like we can't just have pizza and wings. I feel like meals need to have a third thing and also vegetables, so let's go to Wrong, but fine, continue. <laughs> he was like, not like when I'm eating by myself, but like when I'm hosting, like my mom like has always, like there's got to be mm-hmm. multiple components. I was like, okay. So he's like, I'm going to order a salad. Great. And he looks at their menu, and their menu has three different sizes of salad. One is labeled one to two people. Second is labeled two to four people. And the third is labeled party. And Doug goes, well, there are five of us. So he ordered a party size. I can always guarantee you can order less salad. That is, that is stated for your party group. Oh. <laughs> this party size salad quite literally was the size of a sub tray. Jason, I have pictures. I wish that I could explain to you how large, like it was bigger than a pizza box. No one needs that much salad. Do they not know it's, it's got E. coli now? Listeria? What do we have in salad? I don't know. I don't know. It was so big that the salad dressing that came with it was a pie pan of a dressing. Top. Oh my gosh. So, um, when Doug comes on the podcast, I want you to immediately ask him if he brought any salad because it'll be like 
I'm gonna month. write that down because it'll, I it'll be, it'll be like two months from now and he'll be like, what the fuck? There's nothing I love more than throwing people off with really ridiculous things that make no sense. I'll be like, he'll literally be like, how do you know about stuff? Look, I know about everything. Let's just start there. Right. So that was uh, the most, like, it was, the the salad was so big and more amusing than the salad was the fact that he walked in the apartment with the salad and just goes, mistakes have been made. <laughs> and the look on Dan's face when he saw how big the salad was. I thought, I, his cousin Emily and I, I thought we were going to die. Like, we were just crying. We were laughing so hard. I was like, I, like, you could have fed an entire, like, fleet of cattle with that salad. That's <laughs> why so you don't order salad from pizza places. You just get the pizza, you get the wings, and then you get the cheese sticks. That is your salad, is your cheese oh, Okay. Stick. We, Dan makes homemade pizza. So Dan made pizza, and we just needed wings, and also a vegetable. Why? Doug is an athletic, semi-healthy kind of person. We have to have some words. Okay. Don't worry. We'll talk later. Me and Doug. Not me, not me and you. Me and Doug. We'll talk later. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my week um, salad. Your week of salad. My week of salad. There's a song called The Salad Dazer here that's in our catalog. And I don't remember who it's by, but it's like somebody that people have heard of. I just can't remember who it is. But I love uh, that. So that, I feel like that's your new theme song. Yes. The Salad Days. I love it. Um, do you know what else I love? What is that? Um, how alive salad makes me feel. Because it can only be topped by my spiritual awakening. Ugh. Well, I got some news for you. <laughs> I have to scroll all the way down to get to it. But because I have had a bad day, I'm not feeling, I'm under the weather in case those of you don't know. I just yes. ate an entire little thing of pickles to hopefully feel better. So. That's disgusting. They will not make you feel better. Pickles are awful. They always make me feel better. But you know what? I am going to stop worrying about what other people think. I mean, have you seen other people? They're awful. That is your spirituality today because that is how I feel yeah. about everyone. I also feel that way about everyone. Not everyone. People. You guys listening, you're not awful. You're great. All of you. Everyone. No. Yes, you guys are great. Um, not not a lot of other people are though. Not a lot of other people. Um, you know who is great? Who is that? This guy Peter, and that we're gonna talk about in a minute. Okay. But that is relevant. I believe you. My first thought when you said that, I was like, "Oh, Peter Capaldi." I saw he has a new show out, and then I was like, "We are not." Talking about the same Peter, I'm gonna guess. We are not, not at all. Um, we're talking about Stargate season two, episode eighteen. It is called Serpent's Song. To bring us back to the beginning of the season. Yeah. 
Um, and it was rated 7.8 stars, which is fair. It's fair. I, out of context, I might would have given it a little bit higher. Yeah. I thought it was good information to have. But I get yeah. it. So. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily it was good information to have, but I think as a whole episode, I get why it wasn't. Eh, it was eh. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, it came out on the twelfth of February, nineteen ninety nine. Um, we have the same number one song as last week. Um, and the same number one book as last week. But the number one movie is a movie called Payback, which I have never seen. Okay. But it, it stars Mel Gibson back, you know, when Mel Gibson was a big action hero. Like for in that. the height of Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, and it's based on a book called The Hunter, which is the same book that the movie Point Blank from 1967 was based on. So it's the same story as Point Blank, but a little... Updated. I have heard of Point Blake. I've not seen yes. it. Yes. I don't know if I've heard of the payback, but I mean, it's just, I feel like I've heard of every Mel Gibson movie, whether I've seen it or not. Right. But also, like, it's a Mel Gibson action, like, blockbuster from the 90s, which means I have no desire to see it even. No, it's not, like, yet. on my list or anything. No. Um, on this day, big day. You sounded very intense about that. <laughs> because it was a very intense day. Good. Um, on intense. this day, Bill Clinton was officially acquitted in his impeachment trial. Clinton. I I heard Bill Hunton, and I didn't know who that was. And so I was really trying to keep your energy without knowing what was happening. But then I realized you said Clinton. Yes, Bill Clinton. So now he can answer his red phone again when yes. Don S. Davis calls him. Correct. Bill Clinton is officially not impeached from pre the presidency because um, having extramarital affairs under your desk is not technically a breach of office. It's just not a good thing. Right. It doesn't. Although, make to be fair, I I don't actually like. I feel dumb because I feel like I should know this, but I actually have no idea what Bill Clinton's impeachment trial was about. Like, I don't. I know the Monica Lewinsky scandal was happening around the same time, mm -hmm. but I don't actually know that they're connected because I don't know that it was, it's what started. I think it was like a, like extramarital affairs are considered like illegal. If you're doing, if you have a, what's it called? Like bigamy and stuff like is, is, is a law. And so like, they might be like, you're not holding up the justice of the law. We have to put you, like, on the stand for that. Which, like, I guess roundabout makes sense. And to be fair, I don't think extramarital affairs are good or anything. Right. No, I'm, to I'm totally not for it. I just don't know how it means that you're breaching the office of the presidency. Right. The only thing I could think of... But coming from, like, a legal standpoint, not from, like, a presidential standpoint, I guess. Like, you really shouldn't, like, sleep with your employees and, like, stuff like that. So, like, that feels like an issue. But I don't know if that was the actual, was that the actual claim? No, the, um, the actual claim, the specific charges were lying under oath and obstruction of justice because he, in the scandal... Mm -hmm. 
lied and did a bunch of shady shit to try to hide the affair. And that was actually what he was. Because he said, I did not have relations with that woman. Correct. Yeah. I figured obstruction of justice is what I was thinking of. I was right. like, I, I just, I that way they looped it in. Yeah. I was like, I know that the, what started it was the affair coming to right. light. But I also know that like having your dick sucked is not illegal. So I couldn't, but it's the whole lying about it under oath. That is the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but apparently that lie was not big enough to get him fired. And he was quitted of impeachment. I was like, in all fairness, they're different things. Like, <laughs> all politicians do bad things. Yeah. And this is a bad moral thing. And in my opinion, it's a bad moral thing, not a bad legal thing. Right. And it's like, different. and I totally get that, like, there are kind of moral, like, and ethical standards that you should, like, be holding your leaders to. But at the same of time, course. but at the same time, presenting a moral worldview onto another person is kind of, like, not the thing. Right. And also, I don't know my feelings on Bill Clinton. I have no strong feelings. I know I feel like I'm, like, I sound like I'm defending him to the death, I feel like. But I'm not. I just, I just know the law. <laughs> He was a really good saxophone player. Oh, that I can, yes, that I can agree with. But he uh, may or may not have raped a lot of women, and that makes me have um, really not strong feelings, like not great feelings about him. Yeah. Uh, but like, we weirdly, my strong feelings about Bill Clinton have absolutely nothing to do with his politics. Um, I just don't really like rapists. No, absolutely, I agree. <laughs> but like, uh, and like. If you're considered a rapist, like if it's not consent, that's another conversation to be having if they need to be in the office or not. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's not what the uh, argument was, which is oh, another issue, but. Yes, right, because the Monica Lewinsky was an issue of um, leverage and coercion and like whether or not he used his position of power to woo her, which is a whole other question, but like some of the other accusations against him are very much not that they're just straight up rape. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this is all, um, nothing we know. We don't know the final answer to any of this. Nope. Please just, do not. And do I, and also I was, uh, eight when this happened. So I'm clearly speaking from a, I'm clearly speaking from a place of knowing everything. Right. Yes. Yes, as we always do. Right. Um, this episode of Stargate, things that I do actually know what I'm talking about, was directed... No, don't, but it's fine. ...by Peter DeLuise. Has he directed before, or has he directed other things we've seen before? He has directed other things, but actually, here's the thing. He hasn't. I just looked through his IMDb and to try to figure out why I feel like I've already talked about him because I do feel like I've already talked about him, but I can't find what we would have I talked about him about. Right. Well, and here's the thing. You do know his name because you definitely know his name because he's not a not, a not famous person. Um, but he has as far as I can tell, not done any of the things that we have talked about on this show. 
Um, it says he was an actor on Stargate FG1. Is this the guy that was in the flashback episode? No, he has not been on the show yet. He is an actor in Stargate FG1, but he has not been on the show yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he... Nope. Like, I looked through everything that he acted and everything that he directed and everything that he wrote, and he has nothing on here that would have led us to talk about him previously. Interesting. And yet, we feel very strongly that we've mentioned his name. Absolutely. I know him, and I cannot Yes. Him. Well, and here's the thing. You do know him. He's Peter Deloise. Um... First of all, he had a few directing things before this, um, but he, this is his first episode of Stargate. Mm-hmm. He is the person who has directed the most episodes of Stargate. Um, he directs 56 episodes total, acts wow. in 20, acts in 27 um, has directed and written for Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, and Stargate Universe. He's a big deal for Stargate. Yeah. Um, he has been in an absolute shit ton of Hallmark movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he's more well-known as an actor. Also, he is from one of those really intense but nobody realizes how intense it is, Hollywood families. His dad was a very famous comedian, and he has two younger brothers who you definitely what's know. What's his dad's name? Carl? No, Dan? I don't remember what his dad's name. He was a comedian that I looked up and I go, oh yeah, that's cool. But I don't know him because I don't really know old time stand-up comics. His brothers, which is why I think you're thinking that you know Dom him. DeLuise is his dad. Dom, okay, yeah, I don't know. Yes. He's a comedian. I'm familiar. Yes, please, please continue. That might be why I know his name, because yeah. Dom DeLuise. Okay, well, I don't know Dom DeLuise. That's fine. I mean, I, I know his face. Like, I look at him and I go, yeah, I'm sure I've seen that. Um I do also know that he is a voice actor in movies that I've seen, but that doesn't help me with his face. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I'm trying to think if his father did anything that we would have talked about. No, I think I just know him from, like, the world. Mm, okay. Um, I know a bit about stand-up comedy. But I go through phases of stand-up comedy. <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, Yeah, so he also has two brothers. Um, He has two younger brothers. His younger brother, one of them, is uh, the dad from Wizards of Waverly Place. I love him. And the other one is a plays Andy Sipowitz Jr. in NYPD Blue, which doesn't mean as much to you, but the character that you would know him from is uh, PJ from Gilmore Girls, like Luke's brother-in-law. Yes. Yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> yes. So the dad from Wizards of Waverly plays PJ from Gilmore Girls, and this guy are brothers. 
And their dad is Dom DeLuise. Correct. Yes, this all is <laughs> very fun, which makes this, me very excited about the future of Stargate. Yes. So that's why I was like, um, we're going to talk about Peter. Peter's very important. <laughs> and even though I was like, no, we haven't talked about him, but you absolutely know him. <laughs> that was not us. Yeah, for yes, sure. For I, sure. I am familiar. Um, the author, the writer for this episode is Catherine Powers. Returning. Returning, yep. And um, we have no guests to talk about. Um, because every single person credited in this episode, even the, like, one-off kind of people, have already been talked about. <laughs> so. We do our best. We do our best. Uh, but, you know, it's okay because we talked about Peter Dalloway's. And um, that's, that's fine. Yes. Yeah, he's a... I'm happy to have him because he's. I'm happy to have him. He's he's around. He'll be around for quite some time. Welcome to the team, Peter. Yes. Our friend. Our friend. I wish. Maybe he'll be our. Maybe he'll be our friend one day. He'll be our um, little old elephant too. Uh, this episode starts with another one of our weird ass openings um, of spaceships uh, that I was like, "Why is this happening again?" Yeah. Um. Episode. Yeah. Uh, and but of course, as we're seeing these weird spaceships, we do also see a gold pyramid. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. That checks out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hate, I hate it, but it checks out. Um, and then we go to SG One, who's waiting on a planet to meet up with the Tokra, who have apparently sent them a message. And they're like ninety six percent sure it's the Tokra because nobody else would have known how to send them this message. But also, it was just straight up coordinates with no other message. So that seems like a choice Why to follow not? that, <laughs> right? Like that seems like a choice to just go with that, right? Right. Um, so they're sitting there talking about that, and then Tilk hears a noise, and um, something appears in the sky above them. And it is a gold death glider that is being actively shot at while it's falling near them. Yep. So, you know, all good things. 10 out of 10. Sorry. <laughs> all good things, yes. Not one question mark. Yes, no. <laughs> uh, um, so it crashes and they follow the crash because, again, choices have been made. Right. Look. If you're already following some coordinates that you've gotten from nowhere, you may as well figure out what's going on once you get there. Um, and the craft death glider contains a poppus. <laughs> I literally rewound the scene like four times while I was watching it because I was like, what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> it was like, um, I just like couldn't wrap my head around it. And Papas is there and he is basically dying. Uh, yeah, very much so, yes. And then we get the credits. Well, he first, he asked them to help him. And I'm like, oh. excuse me, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, sir. You have tried to kill them all and you have stolen their children, friends, and their wives. And you now want them to save you? Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just shoot you on, on sight. Well, we get back from the credits. Turns out Tilk is trying to shoot him on sight. Yes, me and Tilk, we're on the same page. And 
And Sam is like, don't do it. He's worth more to us alive than he is dead. Which, yes, but also absolutely not. Right, like, all the gold are connected. Like, you don't have to, you could, like, kill him and take another one. Right. Um, so then, while Sam is stupidly saving Apophis, he just points up in the sky and about a gazillion death gliders are coming in. So they pick up Apophis and just bring him back to SGC. Wild. It is wild. But like, <laughs> who would have thought from the first time I saw Apophis to now that part of the plot was us capturing a dying Apophis? Like, I guess logically I should have like expected them to capture Apophis, but like this was not yeah. where I was going in my head at all with it, with Stargate. So they get to SGC and Pophis immediately starts demanding sanctuary. Right. Well, I mean, that's Which, like, of co- right. Like, of course he does. <laughs> of course he does. And um, Hammond is like, you're not really in a position to demand anything right now. Um, so they lock him up. Um, but Janet, because, you know, she takes her vow to, like, uh, do no harm and really fucking seriously is, like, I'm not going to put him in prison until I've done surgery on him. Right. Because unlike whoever our our critic was of Janet last time, she is a good actress and she does her job well. Yeah, and she's a good doctor, unfortunately. I will say that this does lead to my theory that we were going to change Egyptian gods every so often to who was going to be the one we were fighting against. If you recall from the very beginning. Yeah, that's true. You did. Um, did. That was my first thought whenever they said Apophis was dying. So my theory still stands. It has not been debunked yet. No, it has not. Um, So the surgery is successful, um, but the symbiote itself is actually too badly injured. And because of torture, um, which we know for sure happened because they're talking about it and then Sam gets a flashback to the kind of torture that, like, Jolnar was getting and so they know what happened to Apophis. Um, and yeah, it is dying. Which leaves us, like, there's so many possibilities that's gonna happen with Sam. I just, I am full of questions. Um, so then we go to the team meeting and they're all discussing why Apophis would like let them take him. And they have this whole conversation about like the system lords decide like serving other gods who were stronger than them and like him coming to them because they're responsible for his downfall. So it's the only place he's allowed to be weak. And Sam's like, or maybe he's just like playing us. Cause he said that like our compassion would be our weakness and they can't fucking figure out why this dude let this happen. Yeah. And is this why they were talking mm-hmm. about the Ashrock? Yes. So which thing was the Ashrock again? The Ashrock, Ashrock was the, were the people who were um, the gold true, like, special forces team that was searching for Jolinar. Got it, got it, got it. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, uh, Jack is like, fuck this noise. Let's just ship him back to space. We don't need him. We don't want him. And Which Hammond, one? yeah. And Hammond is like, he's a POW. He has rights. 
<laughs> they're like what rights right and he's like also he has information and i'm like okay you should have said that first because nobody believed you thought he had rights yes no the information um, makes way more sense so jack is like up in the gallery at the infirmary watching for him to wait up and he's like super fucking angry and he's like i wish that i would have just killed him this is some straight bullshit yeah no yeah and then when he does wake up he asks the doctor specifically to talk to jack Mm -hmm. so jack goes down there and then um here's the thing again no not a team papas don't don't care for a papas that's not what i'm saying but Jack's kind of being a salty dick right now. Look. <laughs> I was here for it, though. Like, how dare he think he's getting anything? Like, he's like, I need a host. And he's just like, no. He's like, what about the- No. <laughs> I was like. Yeah. yeah Apophis is like, Al, if you give me a new host, I will give you all of the knowledge to go on. And Jack's like, or you could just go to Hal. Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, much nicer than I expected Jack to be, first of all. That's fair. Because then also um he gives them information anyway. Right. Um, and he says that Sokar is the Gawold who is after him and that he came that because he came to Earth or that he came to Earth and let them capture him specifically so that when Sokar follows him, he will also take out all of the Tauri, all of Earth. In order, that's his revenge for them killing him. Which makes sense. Yeah. Is, is Sokar, like, an Egyptian god of sorts? Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, Daniel kind of explains it, but does not do a great job in the next scene of explaining it. Um. But Sokar is uh, basically, like, the Egyptian version of, like, a titan kind of like he's like like he's the god of death and he rules hell basically but he is not the god of death that is like popular in Egyptian mythology because he was defeated by an alliance of like younger gods got it okay I see I'm never sure I I start out by assuming that everyone that's mentioned is in a real myth of sorts yeah and it wasn't just made up for this show but i always like to just clarify yeah so um sokar was defeated by alliance um of gold system lords including ra and apophis who fun fact we have already killed both of so um which means sokar's got a little bit more space to move now yeah um and now that they're gone he's getting stronger and um, Sokar is so old in terms of mythology on Earth that they're not actually 100% sure if Sokar has a human host or if he, he has an... Yes, he, he has a, like the first Gaul, right? Well, they said that he... Yeah, he was like one of the probably original Gaulds on Earth and he um, was old enough that he lived in that time they describe the egyptian myth that they describe talks about him living in like a cave of serpents or like his serpents Mm -hmm. roaming the earth and they figure out that that probably means that his servants were actually unas not 
human. So they don't know what kind of host body he's in because we remember we saw the Unus um, in Thor's hammer, which was the James Earl Jones creature. Right, right. And that was like the oldest gold ever thing. Yeah. So if so far is the oldest of the system lords, he could have that kind of host body or he could have human. They don't actually know what they're getting into. Um, um, so then as they're learned discussing and having Egyptian mythology lesson time with Dr. Daniel, um, they, the gate opens and, um, all of the unit, there are no units off world. So they close the iris and lock it out. And then Sam and, uh, Lieutenant Simmons call for a radiation analysis to um, like test to determine what tried to come through the gate. Um, they also decide that Daniel is going to have a shot at the interrogation since he is the resident SOCAR expert. Okay, listen. <laughs> I know everyone not watching did not see MK's face when she said that. (laughs) Daniel, because I I was talking to my mom about this. Daniel's character is the least consistently written character in the show. Yes, 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 yes. And he is sometimes an expert and sometimes he's not. He's technically a linguist who kind of does archaeology, but then they treat him like an anthropologist. And, like, technically those are not three of the same jobs, like, at all. And um, he never acts, like, despite the fact that he is an expert, he never, like, takes credit for being an expert unless all of a sudden the show needs him to be an asshole for some reason. He's just a tool that they use when they need a doctor or, like, like not like a medical doctor, but like a doctor of sorts of something. Yeah, but like they also like they make him like really meek and think that he's not yeah like intelligent until he needs to be cocky and then he's like I'm an expert and it's like that doesn't even like his character is so badly written. Yes, that is very fair. Um, because I when don't he, feel like it's Michael Shanks' issue because I think he no. does really well at trying to like tie it together as the actor. Yeah, I think Michael Shanks is like a mess. Yeah. I think Michael Shanks is the reason Daniel's a successful character, but I think that like nitpicky wise, and I don't think that it necessarily like is the end of the world, especially like as the show goes on and they're more character driven and less like mission driven. Mm-hmm. I don't think it ends up like ruining the character for me in any way, but it is occasionally really really infuriating in this moment when he was like well i'm the expert you know he's not going there for a good reason like he's not volunteering himself as the only expert selflessly like that's just not a thing that not that daniel would i think daniel might do it that's not a thing that the writers would let daniel do exactly yes i agree i agree um, so Daniel goes to Apophis and he's like, come here, Dr. Daniel Jackson. And he's like, how do you know who I am? I was like, he's like, cause we share something. I just put, sure. Um, so then he's trying to explain that he like did actually love Amunet. 
and that Daniel just doesn't understand because he doesn't understand the Gaul. And I think in a way that's true because like you see how Lantash and Jolinar felt about each other. Right. The problem is though that like when it comes to like the Tok'ra, they give choices when it comes to like Apophis. Wait, 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 no, no, no. Of course, no. Like it doesn't it doesn't negate anything that Daniel feels or any of the things that he says or the anger that he has. It just proves the feeling. But I just I just I just don't think that Apophis Apophis the snake genuinely loved uh, Alunat the Mm -hmm. snake. And Shari was unfortunately just like a a vessel for that. Literally just a host. Like Yeah. But so he was of course, but like if you have two beings sharing the same brain space and one of them is the love of one brain's life and the other is the love of the other brain's life, they share something that neither of them can understand. Yeah. That makes sense. And and, and I don't, I mean, I don't like Apophis. I don't think he, he was definitely doing, saying these things to hurt Daniel. Yes. But also, I don't think they were lies. Yeah, I, no, I, I believe that too. Um, so then Daniel, because Daniel's hubris is um, so fucking problematic. Like, if this was a great tra- tragedy, Daniel would Oedipus the fuck out of himself. Like, he is just a problem. He's like, well, since you took my wife, I took your son. Ha ha ha. I know where he is. You can't He's ruthless. Like, unnecessary. Yes. Like, he is the, probably the nicest one out of all of them. Like, the least um, military, at least. Yeah. And he definitely here was not. But here's, here's why I don't think that that makes him the nicest. I think that for the other three, when someone has to get hurt, it's very, they, they have, they still have feelings, but they're very much military. They make logical decisions. They understand sacrifice. They make sacrifices where necessary. They hurt when they have to. They internalize the pain and then they move on because they're trained. Right. Daniel has none of that. He is a very much jumping a thousand percent into things based entirely on how he feels, which we've already criticized in his 450 like trysts with women, despite the fact that he's supposedly married and in love. Right. Um, so when Daniel tries to hurt someone or like interfere with someone's emotions, he's doing it spitefully. Like right. there's That's no, there's no, there's no tactic. There's no logic. It's spite. That's why, like, you were, like, earlier, you are like, Jack was a little harsh. And I was like, no, Jack's probably how I would have reacted if I was in his shoes. Daniel? Daniel was a little harsh. Like, Daniel was, yeah. Way too far. No. I, yeah. I mean, I just don't. Jack is being cranky. Because Jack's, his answer, why he thinks what he's thinking, what he's trying to do is right. But he's just cold about it in a way that doesn't feel necessary. I'm sure it's not. But I can't say I wouldn't do the same thing. Right. But so. and that's but that's and that's why, but that does not that does not mean you're wrong. I think Daniel, I don't right. know what the fuck he's doing right no, now. No, Daniel's was like out of place unnecessary too. Like Jax is like 
that's unnecessary to an extent, but it's also like, but I get it. Like he's, you know, yeah. So then he, but so then he not only just keeps rubbing this child in his face, he then is just like, also, if you don't tell me where my wife is, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And like, he starts to freak out and thank fucking God for Sam. Because she pops in at the right exact moment and is like, hey, can you stop that? Because um, the signal that came through the uh, gate room it was the Tok'ra and they are on their way here. Our friends were trying to come through. Yes, our friends were trying to come through. So they let the gate open and it is our friends Martouf comes Martouf. there. I was and Mar- about this. I love Martouf. Um, Martouf comes there and to warn them that they do need to return Apophis immediately. Post post haste. Post haste. They have a little debrief, and Martouf says that now that Jacob is living amongst them, they they have a better understanding of the SGC and what they're doing and why they're doing it and how their what their tactics are and what their like technology is and everything. And he was appreciate that appreciates them and understands where they're coming from, but taking Apophis was a mistake. Yes. Um, and so Jack tells them, like, yes, we are aware. Here, <laughs> here is what had happened. We know that now. <laughs> right. But... So then uh, Martuf lets Lantash speak. And Lantash is like a little pissed. Just a little. Just a little. He's like, you are in extreme danger. You're going to ruin this whole planet. You're being stupid. You have no idea what you've gotten into. Your technology sucks. You suck. Just like kindly, but like very aggressively. Right. Yes. You are wrong. Um, and uh, Artuf is like, Sorry, he just gets a little passionate sometimes. <laughs> and honestly, that moment, I know it wasn't supposed to be funny. It wasn't really, like, played for laughs. Yeah. But it felt like how I described a conversation that must have happened right before I ate. <laughs> like, sorry, I don't know who that girl was. Ooh, thank you for the chocolate. I'm a better person now. That feels like me whenever things go insane at the bar and I start snapping at people and then I come back at the end and I'm like, I'm so sorry. That's not who I am. I don't know. Stupid. Let me show you how to do this correctly for the seven thousandth time. <laughs> nice to you. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to the infirmary where Apophis is dying. And as he's dying, he's, like, calling out for Amanat and, like, screaming for her. And it's, like, genuinely tragic. Yeah. And then... I and then the- so conflicted because I was like, I really feel bad for him and I really hate him at the same time. Like, yeah. I don't... Like, I want him. This is what I wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's still kind of sad. Yeah. But then it gets even sadder because the symbiote is so weak that it died, like, basically passes out and the host is actually able to talk. And this poor man starts speaking ancient Egyptian because Apophis has been living in this single human being and cough and like sarcophagizing itself back to youth since ancient Egypt. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this man has no fuck idea where he is. Yeah, this poor host. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine coming from, like, ancient Egypt, which was, like, pretty, like, technologically advanced for its time compared to the other countries around it? But, like, even then, coming to now when you're, like, on a machine and there's lights everywhere, like, you have no idea what's going on. Correct. It is... I would have thought I had been abducted by aliens. Yeah, I don't I don't know what I would have done to be very fair. Um, I would have this man something. This man also didn't really know what to do though. Um then the gate starts to activate again. And everybody's starting to get real confused because None of the people, SGC is gone. The Toker are there now. Who else could it be? And Martus is like, well, they saw you bring up Papas here, so it's probably Sokar. So it's like they were talking about, like, if we dial out fast enough, they can't dial in. Is it like you can't have, um, it's like a single line call? Yes. Type things so like if we're calling, then the line's busy. Yeah. Yes. We're not quite there. Yeah. Okay. So the gate just starts to activate at first and they close the iris and they realize that Sokar must have found them. Um, and so the iris is closed and they think that they're all set. And then something starts to like reintegrate and move on the iris. And they realize that Sokar is firing some sort of particle accelerator at the iris, which is heating it up enough to, like, reintegrate on the other side of the iris. Wild. Wild. Um, and, like, the science of the science fiction. Yes. Um, and then the voice of Sokar says that he will destroy them for taking what is his. And then the iris begins to, like, heat up super fast um sam says that they can probably sustain the wormhole for about 38 minutes um but then it, once they do that they can just call back over and over and over again so hammond is like let me call the president because i don't know what the fuck to do now well he's free that's true he is not going to jail so um so they go to ask apophis about the particle beam because who else would they ask um, and Apophis is like, I'm not talking to you with Teal here. He's a traitor and I hate him. Like, okay, this is the time to be petty. Right. And unfortunately, then Teal decides, you're right, it is the time to be petty. And Teal starts like rubbing the fact that he is free and that Chulak is free and that the Jaffa will all be free and that Apophis is dying and will never be able to control them again. Like in his face. And Apophis is like, yeah, but you still need the symbiote in your pouch to survive. You'll never be free. We still own you. And so Dr. Frazier comes to, like, give him some more morphine. And Teal's like, no, let him suffer. <laughs> um, and, ja and Janet's like, <laughs> no. Yeah, she's like, ah, maybe not. I'm going to just do my job here. Right. Um, then they decide that the answer to the Gaul or to Sokar being able to call in is that they're going to have to dial out 
and hold the wormhole open from their end so that Sokar can't call back in. Um, but he dials in faster. So, so how so how does they said it? They have the thirty-eight minute time frame. And yes. so they miss the 38 minutes. They have to wait another 38 minutes. I don't really understand how this time frame okay. is. Okay, so the basically the wormhole opens on Sokar's end. He's right. able to hold that wormhole open for 38 minutes. And then he can't, it because of physics and string theory and stabilization, it can't stay open. It's a very specific time. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Um they discovered that it was 38 minutes at some point in earlier in season two where they tried to push it for as long as they could and figure out that 38 minutes was the longest it would stay stable. I don't, you're right. It is a very specific time. I could not explain why that number was chosen. That's what it, it is. just has been set up that way before and it is still that way. Correct. Fine. Um, so then the wormhole closes. And so now it's this and they're trying to open it on their end before he can open it on theirs, because it can only be open on one end. Right. So then, but he does it faster, it opens on his end, and now the wormhole is going to stay open for as long as he can keep it stable, which is 38 minutes. Right. So that means that they now have 38 minutes to try to figure out how to make sure that they can open it faster than he does the next time. Yeah. The biggest problem is that um, the gate room has now heated up to 130 degrees Fahrenheit, which means the metal on the gate itself is, like, hella hotter than that. Right. Um, so the president has declared that they are to cease all medical intervention and send Apophis back through the gate because the risk of Sokar coming in and destroying the Earth to get him back is too great. Which, like, fair. If it was just some random person, prisoner of war, I might be like, mm, they don't really deserve that, but it's Apophis. Like, right. So, no but we'll get into that too, though. So, um, Apophis's host is awake and miserable and like said that he like has been living in a nightmare for so long and he thought that he would like awaken from this nightmare, but he's only, like, waking up to die again, and, like, he's so sad. That's so, like, very sad. It was so sad. So then Daniel says that he's going to, like, do ancient rites to, like, help him. And um, at the same time, Sam and Simmons are trying to figure out how to open the wormhole, but the computers are starting to crash because the heat is too high. Um, and a pop oh, is... And the... Like costuming department, I guess they did yeah. do a good job for ninety nine of aging him up. Because at first yes. I didn't realize they were aging him up that quickly until it was like, in it. and I was like, oh, they've done this like subtly enough that it wasn't. Yeah, it was really really good. Mm -hmm. Um, then Apophis is like begging for a host because he's like afraid of actually dying. Um, and the gold itself does die, and the host doesn't. So like that's a mess. And then Sam and Graham are, like, opening the gate while Daniel is performing this weird Egyptian last rites to send a soul back to Egypt. 
and he's got this weird statue and then the statue glows funny and I don't know if that was supposed to be that or if it's just bad camera lighting I was like is this supposed to mean something but I don't think it does um and then the gate is finally open and so Tilk carries the body and sends it through the gate and awful squish sound yeah it was weird I was like, this is a strange sound effect. I didn't, I'm, it like completely took me out of like, oh, this is so sad. I was like, this is weird. Yeah. And then, um, Martoop is like, well, it'll be fine because, um, so far we'll just use the sarcophagus to bring him back to life so that he can torture him. And then everyone is kind of like upset about that. And, uh, Martoop's like, but isn't that what he deserves? And it kind of shows that, like, even though the Toker are, like, the good guys, they still have a very inhuman way of looking at things. Because, yeah. like, I would have sent him back rather than keep him and have our world destroyed. But, like, once he died, like, I just let it Once he died, just let it be done. Exactly. He's already dead. We don't need to do it again. Especially because the thing that is going to feel the pain isn't the Gaul. It's the host with this right. poor man. Ugh. Um. So then... They have a little moment where uh, Martuf gives them a Tolan, which is a way to communicate with them even when they're on a different planet. And it's the same thing that they use to communicate with the Nox. And then they give the Tokra the garage door opener. Um, and they send them back home. And everything is happy and beautiful with a bow on it, um, which is weird after that depressing of an episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it just ends. Yep. <laughs> sure did. I was, um, yeah, which is why I, I get why it's not rated that high. Cause like the Apophis storyline, having a bow and like finding out things about Amanat and like finding out, the like mention of Sokar, all of this is important, but the episode itself is very weird. It was a little disjointed now that we've like gone through it. Yeah. And there was a lot um, happening at an unnecessary time. Like we have four episodes left. So Yeah. Um I after discussions I think seven point eight makes sense. <laughs> but I, I would have to agree with you. Yeah. Um who do you want to punch? I would like to punch Apophis. That is probably the only part answer. Um, I think, because that is the correct answer, that I will have to punch Daniel for... Just being a little bit of a brat. Yeah. Um, I will say this is the but this is the review that I probably feel the strongest connection with. Um, it sorry because I went to look at trivia, but then also I saw this review six stars. Considering the player involved in this episode, it could have been better. Instead, it was quite lackluster, little effects, and trivial conversation. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Um, yeah, I'm going to punch Daniel just because he got um, snippy for no reason. Yeah. Who is your MVP? I guess Jack. No one really did anything that really, like, overwhelmed me. Like, they weren't bad, but I don't feel like they really made a lot of big moves Daniel did, but I was so mad at him by the end that, like, I don't count him. So, like, I think Jack, he's the only one who kind of, like, like, I felt the same way he felt through most of it, and he did a good job of being, like, you think Daniel should talk? Sure, Daniel should talk. Like, he, like, kind of let back when he needed to and was there when he needed to be. I think I'm going to give it to Sam because she just kind of, like, did her job. Yeah. And, like, stayed out of the bullshit. Fair. So, yeah. Um, The trivia for this episode, um, there was a pattern on the lower right-hand corner of Apophis's life sign monitors monitor that was actually an oscilloscope representation of a composite video signal. Fantastic. I don't know, even know what any of those words mean. No. Um, and this episode's title alludes to the phrase swan song, which is an idiom for a final act before death. Mm. The serpent in the title refers to a prophet being the serpent guy, so that's why it's serpent song. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yes. I love that. Uh, yeah, that was that's probably more interesting than the episode, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say when we were when you were talking about the episode order, I was like, I kinda like like there, especially whenever it gets kind of just discont- like disjointed like this, it's like the titles always seem to kind of flow still. Yes. Like we have all the connections between the serpent's lair to the serpent song, and like, but then also like sometimes the episodes, it's like you did a really great job of naming them for a lot of it. Yeah. You didn't do anything else. Right. Um. You know what you could do, our dear listeners, though? You could talk to us on the internet. We do love to talk to you. We do love to talk to you guys. So you can email us at deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can follow us on all of the social media at deathandaliens. If if someone sends us a message on any of our social media platforms asking about the salad... I will post pictures, but I will not post pictures unless someone asks. Okay. Good. That, is, that is, that is the deal because I just want you guys to talk to us. Sorry. I'm dangling mm-hmm. the sub size salad <laughs> over people's heads. Yeah. Massive carrot. Yes. Um, although there were no carrots in the salad. What did they, did, was it just lettuce? No, it was an antipasta salad, so there was, like, olives oh, okay. and, like, salami and tomatoes. <laughs> well, I guess, like, I would be okay with that. Is a sub salad better than, like, a regular salad? Um, you can, so you can follow us on all the social medias at Dothan Aliens. You can follow me on any of the social media at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And you can follow me at cecloud thirteen. And we'll see you guys on Thursday for a lovely episode of Thriller Thursday. Yay! Bye!